Good morning. I, um, I, I was thinking as we were, were singing, I, I like repetition. Um, I think there's a biblical precedent for repetition in what we sing. We will stand before the Lord and sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for a long time. Um, I think there's also a value for us. We just sing, where else will we go? And we just sing it a lot, again and again and again, and my fear is we just sing it, but I want you to think back just in the past week. How many times did you go somewhere else? Get what I'm saying? You needed wisdom and you went somewhere else. You needed purpose and you went somewhere else. You needed belonging and you went somewhere else. You needed to recognize who you are and you went somewhere else. See, it's so much easier to sing it than to live it. And I've just been thinking about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in our prayer life this morning as we talk about repentance. But before we do, I, I just want to bring our attention to one other thing. It is a blessing to have experience and presence in the life of the body and the life of the church. Man, when I, I think when I am old, and uh, I, hope, I hope I make it to when I'm older, <laughs> and I am um, recounting the blessings of my life, I think one of them will be able to say, I remember when we got to send out the Sherfies to plant a church that's having and has had an impact in Denver and around the world. It's been on my mind a little bit. Um, A church I spent seven and a half years pastoring today celebrates its 200th anniversary. That is also a special measure of grace to sustain a work for 200 years. That is clearly beyond someone's personality or uh, a leadership style. To be a faithful church proclaiming God's word for two centuries is just incredible. And to think that I just got to experience that is incredible. Just life in the body itself and what we get to experience is such an amazing blessing. It's made me think a little bit about my experiences this week. um, I realized that this year will mark 20 years for me in pastoral ministry, um, but more importantly, this year will mark 30 years for me in the faith, 30 years. And um, what I have just been able to experience and see is an incredible blessing. And my mind's just been there. And one of the things I, I started thinking about as I was just going through it was how things have changed, things especially within the body. Now, here's your temptation. When I say that, your temptation is to go to preference-type things. So you think about, well, style of music and what, what groups used to be like and what groups are now and all those kinds of things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how the church both grows and drifts in doctrine. As generations change, there are strengths and weaknesses in that generation, and we tend to sometimes drift away from key doctrine and sometimes we, we seem to progress and grab a deeper understanding of something from God's word. And I, It just so happens that I think the subject we're going to talk about today is an area where we've drifted a little bit. I feel like as a church we've kind of 
lost a deeper understanding of the doctrine of repentance. It's just drifted from our understanding. I remember 30 years ago in the church, not talking to unbelievers, but talking to Christians. When you felt grief, when you felt bad in your sin or in your apathy, you felt conviction. That was a good thing. That was even a sign of the Holy Spirit's indwelling and work in you. And I think as the church has progressed, not only is that maybe not so much of a good thing in the way we think of it anymore, it's like that robs us of the victory that we have in Jesus. That we shouldn't feel grief, we should feel victory. And we should. It's not a matter of one or the other. It is a healthy, godly attention to both. But I think as we have celebrated and come to understand the depth of God's grace on our life and our victory in Jesus, we have lost a godly grief. We've kind of pushed it aside. We sing songs that just help us celebrate, but not the songs that make us mourn. And look, by the way, we're coming up in Psalms, and soon you're going to see that a third of the Psalms are these Psalms of lament frustration, anguish, hurt before the Lord that's healthy, that's expressing their feeling. Repentance is crucial. Probably my favorite uh, moment to help me kind of remember that is um, Martin Luther, way back in the day, as he kind of sparks a reformation and 1517, he, he walks up, and I, I had the, I, I mean, I, I, I want to give him credit for a better motive, but in my mind, he's got a little strut to him, and he nails his 95 thesis to the doors in the church in Wittenberg, right there on the church door. And that sound, if you're not familiar, that sounds maybe big and like this big, it's just 95 statements, just arguments basically to the church. And his first one is just straight up in the face of what the church kind of had become. See, then it's kind of like what we would acknowledge in terms of almost the Catholic church, but the church had kind of held back the word. You needed a certain level of education to be able to read and to study, and what had happened is the church, as they had kind of added in, much like the Pharisees, they had added in their traditions and their methods and before you knew it there were so many traditions and methods you really couldn't distinguish between the word and there was just a lot of stuff going on and change needed to happen but man this church was powerful it was a hierarchy and yet the first statement said when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. Here's what his statement was saying. I don't care if you're the pope. I don't care if you're the priest or the pastor. I don't care if you lead the group. Listen, I don't care where you're at in your spiritual journey. It is marked by repentance if it is healthy. That's the intent. And see, this idea that it's aimed at the church that it's aimed for the believer that repentance does not end at conversion is something we need to grasp and pull into our prayer life. 
Scripture says this throughout the New Testament. Maybe the, the most clear example is when the Lord is talking to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. He says, but I have this against you, to the church, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. God just told the church to repent. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. God intends for his church to continually repent. And guys, listen, that's not a bleak message. That's not a message that robs us of our victory in Jesus. It is a message of hope. Because repentance is the very method in which God uses to sanctify us. In other words, it's our growth. It's how we grow. It's, it's how we progress. It's how we mature in our relationship with Christ. Sure, listen, there's grief. How many of you, if I said, look, don't raise your hand. You wish you were a more godly husband and it hurts you that you don't lead your wife and your family as well as you do. How many of you as a wife would say the same thing? How many of you wish you had more boldness to proclaim the gospel and fulfill your responsibility before the Lord in obedience as an ambassador? How many of you just wrestle with balancing out all the areas of life that are just neutral, that in and of themselves aren't wrong, but stacked up rob you of your time and rob you of your purpose. And as you think about those things and you think about it, 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 it's just, it's kind of, there's a grief in you. There's a longing to be different. There is a feeling like that that is not bad but healthy. In fact, it is a godly grief. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In verse 9, he says, As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved. So here's what's happened. Paul's written a letter to the church, and he has admonished the church. He said, guys, what you're doing isn't good. It's not healthy. It's not pursuing your purpose to be more like Christ. The church was grieved. This has got back to Paul. They felt bad about this. Here's what Paul said. I rejoice. Not that you grieved. Now listen. But because you were grieved into repenting, Paul says. Now that's an important statement. You know what that statement shows us? That our grief, our godly healthy grief has a purpose in which God uses to lead us to repentance and ultimately growth and to become more like Christ. That's a powerful statement. What that means for you and I is that our grief has a place, a healthy place for us. It's there. Paul goes on and says, for you felt a godly grief. Church, it is a good thing to feel conviction. Don't squelch that. Let it lead you to repentance. And that's our big truth this morning, that the Christian life is a life of repentance, that, 
Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's just a definition of repentance. Deny yourself, turn and follow me. It's what it means to be a disciple. So maybe, maybe you'll understand better in just the context of purpose. Let me, let me give you a purpose. The goal of every believer is to glorify God by conforming more and more to the image of his son. That's the goal. Let me give you a real powerful way to see this. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 29 it's, uh, it's one of those, those verses, a really cool verse, but it doesn't get talked about a lot because it creates tension. So we'll try to diffuse the tension and, and, and make sure we hit the context for this morning. It says, for those he foreknew, God foreknew those who would be his. Before you were created, before you were formed, he knew you. Now listen to the second part. He also predestined. Now, here's what we want to do sometimes in this. And there's context here for this, and we want to talk about man's free will and the sovereignty of God, and we want to wrestle. But we just stop at that point in this particular sentence, and I think it robs us of the context that's here. I want you to hear what you're predestined for, because that's the point. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Listen, believer, your purpose predestined before you were even formed is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. To be a perfect image bearer. That, that, is our purpose. That was our created purpose back in the garden, and it is our purpose as we have been reconciled and redeemed by Jesus. That's it. That's what we should long to be and to do. And so here's the point. No matter how mature you may be in your faith or may perceive yourself to be, there is a huge gap between your maturity and the full stature of Christ, which according to Ephesians 4 is the goal, right? To be like him. That gap between us is huge. And so our attitude should remain repentance. Constantly turning away from what holds us back. Constantly turning away from where we're at. Constantly turning away from just the status quo. Constantly turning away from what I see around me and running to Jesus. Longing for him. That's the goal. Not to just get comfortable, not to just find the middle, not to just be more mature than the other people around you, but to be like Jesus. Here's a great definition of repentance from J.I. Packer. Listen, it says, repentance means turning from as much as you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of your God. And as our knowledge grows at these three points, so our practice of repentance has to be enlarged. It's a great definition of repentance. And so 
This life of repentance is described by Paul in a verse we've been talking a lot about over the last year. In Philippians 3, uh, chapter 13, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider to have made it my own. In other words, Paul's saying, I haven't arrived. Man, there's a huge gap between me and the full stature, the image of Christ. But the one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. And I reach, I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal. What's the goal? For the prize of the upward, listen, the call of God predestined in Paul and me and you. said before we were formed. In Christ Jesus. It's in him. So I've got some ideas and we're going to go through them quickly this morning as we prepare for the Lord's Supper and enter into a time of prayer. First, repentance is turning to Jesus. Abiding is repenting. We talk a lot about abiding at Tri-Cities. Abiding is repenting. Luke 5, 32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. He says in Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, you will all perish. Repentance begins in a relationship with Jesus. It is absolutely inseparable from saving faith begins there but listen repentance is also sustained for us in Jesus repentance is what happens in us that precedes fruit it's what happens in us listen it's not the new deeds But it's the inward change that over time bears the fruit of the new deed. That makes sense. So when you repent, listen, when you turn to the Lord, it's not like an immediate moment where everything's going to be perfect. I had a conversation recently with a new believer, and they were so discouraged because they had just kind of tripped up. And I'm looking and I'm saying, man, listen, keep fighting Keep repenting, keep turning, keep pursuing. That is the longing of our heart, or it should be. Abiding is repenting. With this attitude, think about that verse we talk about here a lot in John 15. Listen, I am the vine. You are the branches, Jesus says. Whoever abides in me and I in him, listen, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. See, in Jesus is everything, and apart from him is nothing. And the longing of our heart as believers should be to turn from ourselves and turn to everything that is in Jesus. Second, repentance is pursuing truth. Learning is repenting. Jesus said in his prayer for us in John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. One of the great measuring uh, markers, I think, of the believer is their willingness to learn. Their willingness to learn. I think it exposes our maturity. Because when we're unwilling to learn, basically what we're saying is, I have learned enough is what I need to know. Here is good. And I promise you, wherever here is for you is a long ways away from the fullness of the revelation of God that he would like for you to know about himself. So listen to these. Truth comes before comfort. See, the more we're like Jesus, 
the more comfort we will lose. And that's okay because Jesus set aside a heaven and presence with the Father to reveal truth to us. Truth comes before pride. It's, it, listen, the more we're like Jesus, the more we're going to have to die to ourselves. Truth comes before tribe. This is really hard in our setting, and I wish I had weeks to just talk about this with our church because I think this is a particular stronghold in our setting. But truth becomes before tribe. Listen, the more like, we're, the more like Jesus we are, the more alienated we will be. The truth is, listen, it's not all about relationships. It's a great tagline. We can say it, but it's just not true. Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 34, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be members of his own household. Jesus didn't say, listen, family first, protect your relationships at all costs. Jesus said, go be my ambassador and proclaim truth. Proclaim truth. At what expense have we watered down the truth of God's word in order to protect our relationships? As if by doing so, somehow we think we're helping them. We're not. Truth comes before tradition. Listen, what we sing is always greater than how we sing it. What we preach is greater than the person who preaches it. What we teach is greater than the program is facilitated in. See, we don't hardly know the difference sometimes between tradition and truth. But truth trumps tradition every time. Every time. Truth before achievement. Listen, truth before you fill in the blank. It doesn't matter what lies we tell ourselves or what idols we hold up. All truth is God's truth. Let every good, true Christian understand that whatever truth may be found, it belongs to his master. It's an old statement. Augustine. The reality is this, truth, truth, and the pursuit of it is part of repentance. Number three, repentance is transformational. Growing is repenting. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, repentance grows our understanding. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says this, make me understand the ways of your precepts. Lord, help me understand And I will meditate. I'll think about these things. I'll think on your wondrous words. How many times do we even leave a message and we talk more about what somebody was wearing or what was going on than we really sit down as a couple and meditate on the truth of God's word that was just proclaimed for us? See, there's there's a growth as we repent, as we wrestle to understand, and that leads to focus. Repentance grows focus. He says in verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Repentance is constantly turning our focus off ourselves and our world around us and turning it to Christ. And as we do this, repentance produces fruit. It's back to the abiding principle. It's in Jesus. That's what we mean. That's, that's the overflow of Christ in us. Fourth, Finally, repentance is submissive. Listening is repenting. 
Hebrews 13 is just an example. Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Repentance receives biblical instruction and teaching. Repentance receives admonishment. Repentance receives encouragement. Repentance receives help and accountability. This is what repentance looks like. Church, never be satisfied until you have reached the full stature of Christ. Until then, may our prayers be filled with godly grief that bring us to our knees and cry out to the Lord, do a work in me. Turn me from myself more and more to your son. Change me. Rip away my sin. Change my heart. Make me what you have predestined me to be. Lord, I long for it. Our team's going to come up and we're going to pray for the Lord's Supper. But before we do, I just want to give us a few minutes to pray. Just to pray. And we have been kind of breaking up into groups, but today I just want you to pray by yourself. And for the next few moments, I would ask you, don't tap on the person next to you, just, just you and the Lord. I want to lead us to pray from a healthy, godly grief. From a place of discontentment that says, where I am, Lord, is not where I long to be. There is sin in my life. 